There is a me-centered kind of Christianity. It's about me. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, but people will become lovers of themselves. I love me some me, right? And, and you should love yourself, but you should love yourself the way you're properly supposed to love yourself and not love yourself more than other people and, and love yourself to the point of uh, uh, being so selfish that you got no room for love in your life or helping other people in your life. And I'm afraid a lot of Christians have become that way. You know, we've got this me-centered Christianity where at the heart of it is not Jesus, it's me. And it looks something like this. It starts with, it's all about my pleasure and comfort. And, and Christianity is supposed to be about how God takes away all my problems and he makes everything rosy and wonderful. And uh, he, just, he just heals me all the time and he makes money show up. And I never argue with my husband or my wife. And my kids always behave and everything's great and, and just wonderful. Anybody ever live a Christian life long enough to know that that ain't the way it is? Come on, it rains on the just and the unjust, the Bible says. Amen? And if you think Christianity is about God is like this genie and every time you have a problem, you, you rub the little lamp and he comes out and gives you whatever you wish for, I've got news for you. It is not about your pleasure. Christianity is about his purpose. Amen? There is a purpose for your life and God wants you to live it and it doesn't matter whether you're driving a 15 year old car that's got smoke coming out of the back of it or a brand new one that's got all the Bluetooth and all that stuff I remember years ago when we were younger we didn't have a lot of money we always drove old cars we had one that every time it switched gears a puff of black smoke would come out the back of it and it was so embarrassing to drive but you know it got us from point A to point B and, and we served God in that old junky car, didn't we? We preached the gospel. We went to church. We helped people. We did nursing home ministry. We, we went to the prison and did ministry. We, we loved on people. We did the work of God in an old junky car that spit out smoke out the back. And then, and then we got a better car. But while we moved up, so did the world. And they got to where they had the little buttons, right, that would whoop, whoop, right? We, never, we didn't have a car that would go whoop, whoop. So I would make the noise every time we come to the car <laughs> for my wife. You know, I wanted to feel good, right? Whoop, whoop. I'd pretend, you know. <laughs> you know what? God was good in an old car that whoop, whoop, or and he's good in a new car, amen? He's good in whatever he gives me, amen? I've been blessed in a small house and blessed in a bigger house. I've been blessed in nice clothes and I've been blessed in old clothes. I've been blessed with zero in the bank and I've been blessed with money, amen? And if I lose everything I have today, tomorrow, I'm going to find a way to do ministry because it's not about my pleasure. It's about his purpose. My life is not about me. It's about what I can do for him. Amen. Come on. Are you at the center of your life of your faith or is Christ? The me centered life says it's my plan. I remember I felt led of the Lord several years ago to write a letter to a couple and I was trying to encourage them. At the end of the letter, I said something like this. I encourage you to let go of your own plans and take on God's plans for your life. But you know what? They didn't want to hear that. In fact, they got upset about that. Do you know people get upset with me? Sometimes, Gary, they're not really upset with me. They're upset at God. But because they can't get to God, they get to me or someone else in the church. 
Come on, if I just rang your number, answer it. They didn't want to hear that. Because to a lot of people, God exists to make their dreams come true. And if that's the way you think, you have totally missed what it means to follow Christ. Jesus knelt in the garden and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this pass from me. I don't, in my flesh, I don't want to go through this. Nobody wants to die on the cross. Nobody wants to be spit on and laughed at and humiliated and have their hands and, and feet nailed to a cross and put up there to die. Nobody wants to go through that. If it's possible, let this pass from me. Nevertheless. Oh, I thank God for the neverthelesses in the Bible. The times when it could have gone this way, but God said, no, it's going to go this way. I thank God for that moment where Jesus said I may have a plan for me but I'm letting it go and it is your will that will prevail I will do what you want me to do oh I think we have a problem in our church and in churches all around the world today is that we don't really want to do what God wants us to do we want to do what we want to do we want Christianity to be about us and and like if we have a little bit of time we might give what's left over as long as we get to consume whatever we want to on the calendar ourselves then we'll we'll find some spare time and if we don't have any spare time then that's just too bad and the same goes with our money and the same goes with our love it's like it's me first and all about me and we make dreams and ideas and plans but you know what the bible says that a man plans out his life but it is the lord's purpose that will prevail can i tell you something you can run from the purpose of god for a while but if you're his child at some point you're going to get tired of running the other direction amen i'm reminded of the apostle paul who was supposed to be following jesus and he was doing his own thing right this was before he met jesus and he was out there persecuting christians and jesus appeared to him and said it's hard for you to kick against the pricks and what I picture in that and what I get in my mind is, is somebody trying to kick a cactus, you know, like if you were mad at a cactus for poking you and you were stupid enough to kick it. It's like when you go against the will of God, that's what you're doing. You get, you get poked and you get so mad and you start kicking the cactus when all the while what you need to do is just kind of go the other direction. Amen. It's just decide, you know what? I'm not going to do my thing. I'm going to do his thing. And a lot of people today are in a bad situation in your life, in your job in your family, in your mindset, because you have it in your mind the way you want it to go, and you're not willing to let it go and say, God, whatever you want is what I want. Amen? Come on, you never know how good God's will is for your life until you let go of your own, because you can't have it both ways. And can I promise you something? God wants to give you the desires of your heart. What that means is not give you every wish of your flesh. What that means is that when your heart is in tune with his heart, it will come to pass. Amen? When you get so in love with God and you're so close to him that you have faith for anything, you won't ask for anything. All you'll want is what he's got for you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The me-centered life says, oh, it's about my pleasure and comfort. It's about my plan and my will. And it's about my perspective. The way I see life. I want you to really pay attention to this. This is really important. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. Truth. What is truth? Do you know that you only have a narrow perspective of any given person or situation you don't know everything you don't even know about your own self i know because i've asked you sometimes what are you going to do and you say i don't know what i'm going to do 
What are you going to have for supper? I don't know what I'm going to have for supper. You don't even know what you're going to do, let alone what other people are going to do. You have a narrow perspective. The only person who sees it all is Jesus. He has the truth. Why is that important? Because your narrow perspective is not big enough for you to build a life on. I know you think you see the way it should be. Oh God, if you just make this girl fall in love with me, we could get married and it would be great. What you didn't know is that God is saving you from something. Hallelujah. Someday you're going to say, thank you, Lord, for delivering me from evil. Uh-huh. If you would just, if you would just make me win the lottery, I know you prayed that prayer. Don't, don't raise your hand, but I know you prayed that prayer. If you would just make me win the lottery, God, I could, I could just bless people and I would do all these good things. And, and God in heaven's going, yeah, you know what would happen if you got that much money? You'd turn into a knucklehead. You'd have your nose so high in the air, you'd drown when it rained. You'd blow all the money and then you'd end up with nothing. Come on, I'm talking to us now, ain't I? I mean, I don't even know how to handle a thousand dollars. What am I going to do with a million dollars? You see, our perspective is earthly. A lot of times we want it to be this way. We think that there's this point when we're born and this point when we die and everything's got to happen in here. And if it doesn't happen in here, then I've missed it. A lot of people these days have what I call a bucket list. You know, it's things they want to happen before they die. And, and I understand it's good, but I want you to be careful about your bucket list, thinking that everything has to happen before you die. You don't have to have a big house on this side of heaven. You know why? Because Jesus said, there is a place for you. Hallelujah. In my father's house are many mansions. Yes. Come on. Amen. But we get this mindset that everything has to happen on this side of earth. And you know how you can really see it? I'm going to get real with you today. Is when somebody that you love dies and people lose all hope as if eternity doesn't even exist. Like it's the end of everything when someone we love dies. Now I'm not trying to take away from the hurt and the pain of losing someone we love. But Paul said this, we don't grieve like people who don't have any hope. We don't grieve like people who only think from birth to death. We know that way beyond death is something called eternity and God's perspective is eternity. Amen. He's thinking about the long haul. Let me give you some perspective on eternity. Don't ever feel sorry for a child that dies on earth because they go straight into the presence of a good God and they'll never have another sorrow, another pain. Feel sorry for their parents. Feel sorry for other people. Don't feel sorry for any child of God that leaves this earth because they go into the best place they could ever be. Every burden is past. They used to sing the songs like this, that it was sorrow down here and, and, and it was burden and, and as we walk this soil, there's, there's troubles and pains, but on the other side, hallelujah, Hallelujah. Things are so much better. Every burden is behind us. Every trial is behind us. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no pharmacies in heaven. There's no handicapped parking spots in heaven because everything is good. Hallelujah. I can tell Christians when they really believe in eternity and when they really haven't gotten that revelation yet. Their perspective is it's got to happen now. 
If you don't do this now, God, then I'll never have it and everything will be over with. And God is saying, look, your life here on earth is just a tiny, tiny, tiny little span of time. And I'm thinking about not just your time here on earth, because God cares about what you're going through now. But not just your time here on earth, but I care about the long haul. Can I tell you something? God wants us to be willing to sacrifice this life for the eternal one. Oh, now it's getting really challenging. What do you mean, Pastor? This is my life. This is my life. I don't want to give up my life. Are you saying I'm supposed to die? Well, yeah, I am in a way. So how do we give our life for the sake of Christ? How do we have a Christ-centered life? How do we take up our cross and follow him? There are some people today who are losing their physical lives for the sake of Jesus. There are over 90 countries where Christians are persecuted, and many of them, they're killed just for being Christians. While we complain about how cold or hot it is in the church, or how long the preacher preaches, Someone is dying for believing in Jesus. And there may come a time for one of you, one of us, that we have to physically give our life for the sake of Christ. Probably not, because in America we we have freedoms. and We have the ability to choose. But I want to tell you what most of us are going to do to give our life away. We're going to give our money away. We're going to give our time away. We're going to give our days away we're going to give our heart away we're going to get up in the morning and we're going to decide that today is not mine it belongs to my savior and i'm going to do what he wants me to do and i'm going to be who he wants me to be and i'm going to give what he wants me to give and i i've all listen there's always going to be something you're going to want to buy there's always one more thing have you ever heard the lie of the devil that says look you just buy this one more thing and then you'll start saving That's a lie. You know there's one more thing after that and one more. Oh, just eat that one more piece of cake and then you can start your diet, diet, right? (laughs) Right? That's a lie. There's another piece of cake. There's something. It's going to happen again. Listen. But when you sacrifice, you say, I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to do what God wants. I'm going to be who he wants me to be. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. You see, you may not give your physical life away, but God is challenging you to give your earthly life away for an eternal purpose. And how do you do that for Jesus? Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. In other words, when you see someone hungry and you feed them, it's just like you fed a hungry Jesus. When you see someone naked and you give them some clothes or you take them to the store and buy them something, it's just like you bought something for Jesus. Amen. God loves everybody and he wants everybody to hear the good news. He wants everybody to be loved. He wants every belly full. He wants everybody blessed. He wants everybody in his family. And it's our job to go out there and give our lives away, bringing them in. Amen. I remember when I said yes to God. That answered a lot of times in my life when I was questioned. Because the first time I said yes to God, I didn't have to say yes over and over and over and over again. The first time I said yes to God, I said yes to a lot of things he was going to require of me throughout my life. And can I tell you something? Serving God has been a sacrifice for Kathy and I. But 
it has been so worth it. Amen? And I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And the only thing I ask is that every day that I have, I can give it away to the cause of Christ. And, and I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. That you've decided that you're going to do whatever it takes to love people and tell them the good news and, and be an example of Christ to them. And you're going to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus and do what he did. So once again, I want to ask you today, who is at the center of your faith? Is it you? Is your Christianity about what God can do and fix and give you and bless you? Is, have you been listening to enough TV preachers tell you that God wants you to be rich? Listen, for every televangelist that tells you God wants you to be rich, let the lives of the disciples speak to you. Not one of them was ever rich, and every one of them gave up everything they had. Let the life of Jesus speak to you who even said, foxes have den and birds have nests, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. He didn't come to get for himself. He didn't come to build a lavish lifestyle. He didn't come to exalt his own self. What he did was he came to give his life away. He came to die upon a cross so that you and I might have eternal life. And when you say, Jesus, I want to follow you, what you're really saying is, I am willing to give my life away for the sake of Jesus. I'm willing to give what time I have left. I'm 51 years old. I don't know how much time I have left, but it belongs to Jesus. Amen. I'm not telling you I'm always going to do everything God wants me to do. I'm not telling you I'm not going to take a vacation. I'm not going to enjoy some things. What I'm telling you is that in the big picture of it all, God owns me. And if he tells me don't go, I won't go. And if he tells me don't spend, I won't spend. And if he tells me to give it away, I will give it away. Amen. Just the other day, I've been really busy and kind of tired and complaining. Everybody, come on. Oh, we're so busy. We're so tired. We're so weary. Somebody called me about somebody who passed away. They don't come to church here on a regular basis, and I barely even know them. But they passed away, and my first thought was, don't call me. I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm busy. Don't even, you know, don't even call me. And That's Mylon. And you know what they did? They called. And you know what the Holy Spirit made me do? He made me say, whatever you need, I'll do whatever you need. Amen? Because that's not me. That's God, amen? Any good thing you ever see any Christian do is God inside of them. Hallelujah. All the glory goes to him. And so I want to challenge you today. Get off the throne. You don't belong there. I want to challenge you today. Take off the crown. It's not yours to wear. There's another king who belongs at the center of your life. His name is Jesus. It is his purpose, not your pleasure. It is his plan, not yours. It is his perspective that matters, not yours. Father, I thank you for the beautiful people that are here today.